This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. Let's pray together. Father, we look forward to uh, that day in a renewed heaven and earth when all of creation just brings you praise. And Lord, we anticipate that day and you've called us to be instruments of light in this broken world until that day. And Lord, we're aware that one of the ways that we see the brokenness of sin in our world is, is often in the, in the way that we use our tongues and in the way that we lose control of our emotions and our temper. And we thank you that you've, you've given us instruction on this in the book of Proverbs. Lord, one of the ways that we are created in your image is in our ability to speak. We, we've come together to, to, to read your word, to study your word now. And so, Lord, we want, we want the words that we say and the meditations of our hearts to be pleasing in your sight. And so, touch us today by your spirit, through your word, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of James. We're going to be in Proverbs, but we're going to start out um, in James today. We're in, in, in a study of Proverbs. If you're new today, and it's, we're calling this study The Way of, of Wisdom. Proverbs is a book that's filled with wisdom on all kinds of subjects. And today, we're, we're talking about the subjects of tongue and temper. Tongue and temper. So we're going to start out in the book of James, chapter 3, and verses 2 and following. If you'll follow along with me in your copy of God's Word. The Bible says this, For we all stumble... In many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, and setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so, well, James is right. These things ought not to be so, but they are so. 
And even more alarming is what James says here in verse 8 when he says that no human being can tame the tongue. The good news is that we have a God who can tame it because we have a God who changes hearts. And the issue with our tongue and our temper, it's coming from our heart. It's coming from within. The words that we speak and the way that we speak those words come from within. A point that James makes here in verses 11 and 12. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. The issue is coming from our hearts. And only God can change us from the inside out and enable us to speak with his wisdom. So let's talk about that this morning. First of all, God's wisdom on the tongue. There are more Proverbs, over 90, about this issue than any other issue in the book of Proverbs. Your words matter, whether it's words in face-to-face conversation or words spoken on the telephone or words in a text message or an email or a Facebook post or a tweet or Instagram. Your words matter. Proverbs tells us in 1821, death and life are in the power of the tongue. A woman in Los Angeles committed suicide and she wrote a note that just had two words. They said. Vince Foster, the White House aide who committed suicide in the 1990s, left a a note in which he said of Washington, D.C., here, ruining people's lives is considered sport. And then he quoted this proverb, death is in the power of the tongue. Jesus says in Matthew 12, 36, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. And so let us be careful how we speak, how we use words. Let's look first of all this morning at the intent of our words. What are you seeking when you are speaking? Let's talk about some words not to speak and then some words to speak. First of all, words not to speak. Crooked words. We are to use our tongues to love. That's the great commandment. Love God. Love people. And so our tongues are to be used as an instrument of of love for God and others. And we're to speak the truth in love. But what about when we use our tongues to deceive? Proverbs 4.24 says, Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Words not to speak, crooked words. Words not to speak, confidential words. Violating confidence. Look at 11 and verse 13. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. 16, 28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. 18, 8. 
The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. This proverb highlights the the sick attraction that we have in our sin nature to information that is controversial or scandalous or uh, salacious. There's... In our sin nature, we've got a sick attraction to information like that. And it look juicy bits of information that, that look so appealing. And so we yearn to take it in, take those morsels of juicy information in. But when they get there, they make us even sicker. They're toxic. Confidential words. Third, cutting words. You know the old expression, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's not true. Words hurt a lot. Words cut. Words can be like razor blades flying out of your mouth. Words are like an arrow that's just shot forth from a bow and you can't retrieve it. Proverbs 12, 18, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Let's talk about some words to speak. First of all, encouraging words. Encouraging words, 12, 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. How many people are we around every day that are just weighed down by burdens that we know nothing about? And God has brought them across our path for us to encourage them. 15, 30. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart and good news refreshes the bones the light of the eyes, a kind, a kind smile, a warm smile, you know, the, uh, a, a warm countenance, um, and, and words of encouragement that just bring refreshing. And of course, the ultimate good news that brings refreshment is the good news of the gospel. <laughs> this week in preparing this message, I thought it would be interesting to look up and see how many words do human beings speak each day? On average, the average, it turns out, is about 16,000 words each day. It varies according to our lifestyle and our job and that kind of thing. Some of us speak a lot more than 16,000 a day, some a bit less. The average, though, is about 16,000 words a day. How many of those thousands of words that we speak each day are about Jesus? I mean, that's the ultimate good news that brings refreshing to, to people. Second, we need to speak gracious words. Our words can be instruments of, of bringing uh, the grace of, of God to, to people. 25, 25, like cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. All around us, there are people who are just thirsting for God's grace. And we can bring it to them through words. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious. 
Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Friends, we need to have a filter over our mouths. <laughs> and and, and that, it needs to filter out <clears throat> speech that tears down. And it needs to let through words that build up and words that will give grace to people. Ray Ortland says this, one of the ways Janie and I pray while driving to church every Sunday morning is, Lord, don't let one word come out of our mouths that isn't of you. Let every word that we speak be of you. Will you join us in praying that way as you drive to church? Good words make people glad in Christ. And when a whole church does that together, it starts feeling like revival. Third, we need to speak nourishing words. Nourishing words. Proverbs 10, 11, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. 10, 21, The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. Listen, how can we become a person whose words nourish and, and feed good things to other people? It's by feeding on Christ ourselves. Again, Ray Ortland is so wise and penetrating as he says this, there is enough of Christ, not only for us, but also to refresh others. And it is our words that open the fountain and spread his table for many others. How do we get restocked ourselves? By going deeper with Christ. He is able, there in that place of deep communion with himself, to make our mouths into still waters and our lips into green pastures for others around us. Oh, may it be so. May we go deep with Christ and feed on him that we might be a blessing, feeding others with our words the intent of our words. Second, the amount of our words. The amount of our words. Did you notice this morning in the mirror that God gave you two ears and one mouth? Proverbs says there's a reason for that. <laughs> Ten, eight. The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. In, in other words, the wise person lives in a posture of desiring to, to humbly receive, humbly take in the word of God. Um, the, the humility to, to, to desire uh, each day to take, to take in God's commandments so that our wisdom and our knowledge of God increases. The foolish person is not in a humble receiving mode. They are in the, the mode of just sort of a, a babbling and, 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 and spouting off opinions. 18.2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. I think social media has magnified this in our culture. If you're on social media, uh, there's a lot of opinions being uh, spouted uh, by people everywhere. Um, and something else happens too on social media. You get a lot of people wanting to weigh in on conflict. 
Proverbs 26, 17 says, that's not such a, a wise thing to do. Whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. Not a good idea. Here's another way that we want to refrain from speaking. And that is when we're tempted to toot our own horn. Proverbs 27, 2, let another praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger, not your own lips. Listen, if we're going to brag on anyone, let's brag on Jesus. Let's boast in what Jesus has done. So we sung earlier, Galatians 6, 14. But far, Paul says, far, but far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. We are to be a people who are about pointing away from ourselves and pointing to Jesus and what he has done, his saving work, the amount of our words. Third, the effectiveness of our words. Do you desire to be a person who, who has uh, persuasiveness and, and influence on other people through your words? Well, I mean, yes, we, we do want our, our words to, to be able to, uh, to persuade and to influence. Well, Proverbs says there's a way that's effective in persuading people, and there's a way that's ineffective. 1621. The heart of the wise, the wise of heart, is called discerning. And sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. It's amazing how many people think that they can honestly influence people more through vinegar than through honey. Proverbs says that if we, we want to really have influence and persuade people, sweetness of speech gets us a lot further down the road. It's incredible just to kind of hear sometimes parents out in public just berating their kids and just tearing them apart verbally. And I'm thinking, this is your strategy for obedience? <laughs> this is your strategy for influencing them and persuading them? It's not going to work. 16, 23, and 24, the heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Fourth, let's talk about listening to words. Listening to words. You know, James tells us that we're to be quick to listen. And so we're commanded to be good listeners. Be quick to, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Okay, so we're commanded to be good listeners, but there are certain kinds of things that we don't want to listen to and take in. 17.4, an evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. Now, as many times as I've read Proverbs, I saw something this week that I'd not seen before and it's the responsibility that the hearer has for listening to words that are um, wicked or mischievous. And this is particularly the case when it comes to gossip or slander. Listen, usually when there's stuff like that going around, you know, mischievous, mischievous wagging of tongues, when that's happening, okay, whether it's in, 
you know, an office place, workplace, school, athletic team, church. Usually, it's just one or two people or maybe just a few people that are really driving it, you know, that are really kind of behind it. But if, if people listen to them and don't stop it, don't call them on it, don't stop them in what they're doing in their gossip and their slander, this proverb is saying that, that those who listen to that junk and don't intervene and stop it, they're doing evil as well. It's evil not to stop evil, to take it in and not do anything about it. Ray Ortland again says, says this, do you know how many people it takes to split a church? Not half the congregation, just two. One to start spreading the fiery negativity and another not to confront that behavior as the sin that it is. We've got a responsibility for the words that we listen to. Um, but there are some words that we need to listen to. First of all, the word of God. Psalm 1, 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. We're to be a people who listen to the word of God. Take it in. Meditate on it. Listen to God's word. Do listen to God's word, and do listen to godly friends that love you, that have your best interest at heart. And even when those godly friends say some things to you that you might not want to hear, when they give you a loving rebuke. Now listen, it doesn't mean that you always have to agree with the loving rebuke. But the wise person will listen to the loving rebuke of a friend. We're going to talk about this much more uh, in a couple of weeks when we talk about friendship. But let's take a, a brief look at it now. 27.6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. 17.10, a rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows to a fool. So listen to godly counsel. God's wisdom on the tongue. Second, God's wisdom on temper, on temper. Four things, four things to be aware of that we see in Proverbs, principles about dealing with temper. First of all, do not be easily offended. 12.16, the vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Listen, are you a person who's easily offended? When something comes at you that you perceive as maybe an insult or something that you find offensive, um, is, is, is your reaction to that obvious at once? <laughs> is your vexation <laughs> very obvious at once? Do you immediately bristle? Does your face just get immediately red and you just kind of immediately fly back verbally? Not wise. It's not wise. It says the, the, the prudent, the wise person ignores an insult, and what is it that enables us to ignore insults? 
What is it that enables us you know, not to, to be um, easily provoked or offended? It's knowing who we are in Christ. Because listen, if, if you are deeply aware of God's love for you, if you're deeply aware that he has adopted you as his own son or daughter, that, that you are a child of the living God, a child of the king, and that you're safe and secure in his love, then listen, the kind of the words of puny people, you know, kind of cutting words or maybe an insult from a puny person, man, I, I just, that just, um, you under, you can, you're able to put that in perspective because you, you know who you are in Christ. You, you know you, you're secure in, in, in the love of Almighty God. If we let the words of people just like immediately just send us in the, uh, in the orbit, what is that saying? What is that indicating? That indicates that we're putting people up here and God down here. <laughs> that needs to be flip-flopped, okay? God needs to be up here. Words of people just don't matter as much. So we're able to ignore and, and kind of overlook um, insults and not be easily offended. Um, here's a do in regard to temper. Do be slow to anger. 14.29. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. 16.32. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Listen, there is a power in being able to rule your emotions. It's a tremendous power just in being able to control your emotions. And when emotions are controlling us, then we're slaves to our emotions. We talked about last week, in Christ, your identity is not slave. It is son or daughter. You don't have to be a slave to your emotions. We belong to the king. 29, 11. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. How many times do we, do we hear uh, somebody say, well, you know, I just need to release my anger. <laughs> I just need to vent, you know, and just, I just got to get it out on another person. Is that biblical? No, I think the more biblical approach would be if you're angry at someone to first of all go to the Lord and talk to him about it and, and, and then when you've got things in perspective and, and you can talk in a calm and, and cool way, a loving way, uh, th- then you, you talk to that other person. Not, you know, not to just kind of fly off and sort of verbally vomit on somebody else. It's just not, you know, we can, we can try to rationalize it all we want. It's, it's disobedience. We're to put that away. Third, do lower the temperature. Do lower the temperature in, 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 in conflict. 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Hey, listen. When, when conflict is about to 
break out, when the, when the fire of conflict begins to break out, we can either be people who are throwing water on the fire or gasoline on the fire. This is a soft answer is what calms things down. The, the harsh answer just, just only metastasizes the conflict, makes it worse. Do lower the temperature. Fourth, do not seek revenge. 24, 29. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay back the man for what he has done. <clears throat> the Bible says that being a counterpuncher is not a virtue in relationships. It's the opposite of the gospel. 25, 21, and, and 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Now Paul, when he talks about gospel-centered behavior in Romans 12, quotes these Proverbs. Look at Romans 12 and verses 19 through 21. Paul says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. What did Jesus do for us when we were his enemies? He loved us, he died for us. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And who is the ultimate example of that? It's Jesus. Because of, instead of responding to us in kind and counterpunching us right into hell, what did Jesus do? Jesus, Instead of being overcome by evil, he overcame evil with good by doing what? By taking our evil on himself and dying for it and rising that we might have life and that we might bring glory to him with every part of our life, including our mouths. Let's pray. Father, we do pray for your spirit to, um, to control what we say and the way that we say it. Father, help us to be, um, use our tongues as instruments of blessing, instruments of love, instruments of encouragement, instruments of, of bringing grace, nourishment to people. Lord, let nothing come out of our mouths except that. <clears throat> Lord, we know we have all sinned against you with our tongue and with our temper. Lord, give us the grace to repent and to not rationalize that sin, but to repent of it. Lord, we thank you for your spirit <clears throat> that you have given to those of us who know Christ, we, we, we thank you that, that, that you do a deep cleansing work from the inside out because we know that the words that we say and the way that we say those words is coming from within, within our hearts. Lord, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for new hearts 
that you give through the gospel. As we just continue to reflect before the Lord, there's, there's one who can bring cleansing and transformation from the inside out. There's one who can, who can cleanse the deep issues of, of anger that, that we deal with and, and the issues of insecurity and all the things that, that just create sins with tongue and temper. Do you know him? Do you know Christ? Turn to him today. Turn to him in repentance and in faith. Say, Lord, I need you. Welcome the Savior into your life as your, your Lord and your King. Ask him to take control of every aspect of your life, including your tongue. And he will come in. And he will, will begin that work of transformation in you. Father, we come to you. We ask you for grace in this area of our lives. We speak so many words, so many words each day. Lord, make our mouths instruments of your grace for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and God's speaking to you about just a a relationship with him, you want to know more about him, we are here for you. We'll be here during this time of invitation. We're here for you after the service. If you're here today and God's speaking to you, we saw five people follow through in obedience and believers baptism today. If you're here today and, and, and you say, I, I, want to, I want to follow through, I want to publicly profess my faith um, by being baptized, we would love to talk with you about that. Um, during our invitation, after our service today, our pastors are up here at the front uh, every Sunday. We would love to talk with you. There's just a need in your, in your, in your life. You need prayer. Uh, don't leave here uh, without uh, receiving that ministry today. Let's stand together as we sing. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine, almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you wanna spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And 
Find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where His love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you to come to one of our services. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I can help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.